Wow, okay. I was like, what in the world? Hello, everyone. I'm so excited to be here. Um, are you excited? That's the, or maybe happy. Maybe happy is the, the better word, yeah? Happy to be here. Thanks, apes. You're only, always one, man. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Uh, this week, you're probably going to be in a food coma, and I'm excited for all of you for that. Um, I also, I just want to want to ask you guys, or maybe tell you guys that in your time of the food comaness, um, hopefully you can find some time to also be grateful um, and really, you know, give joy to the Lord for who He's put around you. Really excited for that too this week coming up. Last week we talked about being people of change. Uh, we we talked about what it means to be people of change, and what happens when. We, we decide that or when, when that, that transformation begins. When we follow Christ, when we, you know, give our life over, uh, we give all our rights, our desires to, to the Lord. It is no longer us who live. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in us. We, as Christians, believe Christ calls us to lay down our lives and pick up our cross daily. We believe that, that Christ is Lord over our life, meaning that when we say yes to Jesus, we are agreeing to change. We're agreeing that something inside, something internal will change. It isn't a nominal yes. It isn't something that we just um, say yes like our New Year's resolution. But a solid yes that produces an everlasting change. And, and our punch, our punchline for last week was, was pretty cool. Um, I liked it at least. To be people of change, we must be changed ourselves. As we continue in that same direction, we're, we're also getting ready to celebrate the upcoming season, which is a season of hope. It is not a, a hope that is merely optimistic, merely having a hopeful attitude, but instead, it is uh, a robust hope. There's a nice word for us, robust. Um, yesterday, we were doing the, the jiggy dance. Um, you know that one that you do on TikTok? Mike, you know it well, I know. I know it's like a, a, a jiggy dance, and I sent it to Matthew, um, and he said, you're sturdy. You know, that's, that's the word that he told me. Um, and when I heard that word, I was like, that's the type of hope that we have, a sturdy hope. You know what I mean? A hefty hope. A hope that produces endurance and purpose in our life. And one that has God as the source of that hope. Author J.Y. Kim writes in a Hope, an Expectant Leap. This is what a Christian hope looks like. This is what he says. It doesn't ignore fear, anxiety, and doubt. It confronts them. It holds steady, clinging to peace in the midst of chaos. Through life's many treacherous storms, Christian hope is buoyed on by something greater that has happened and something greater that is going to happen. And I just thought that was a great quote, knowing that what we know about Christ, knowing that he's done something in the past, which is dying and resurrecting for our sins, and something that he, he will do, which is come back for his people. That's the type of of sturdy hope that we have. That's the type of hefty hope that we have, one that can produce endurance in your life. 
one that produces something different in your life, which is pretty cool. Remember, to be people of change, we must be changed ourselves. I might be totally off right now, and, and please correct me if I'm so off. It's, it's not even funny, okay? The reason why I say that is because I was talking to Alyssa, and I said this phrase, and she had no idea what I was talking about. So I'm kind of nervous right now. But if I say, like a good neighbor, what is the first? Thank you, okay? <laughs> I'm not crazy. All right. Because I thought, I was like, I'm, I'm so off, right? Like a good neighbor, state form is there. That's, that's what I was thinking, okay? You too, Hannah? All right, I'm not crazy. All right, cool. Pastor Tony is like you. Alyssa, he's like, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> okay, well, there you go. There's, there's something. Well, if I say like a good neighbor, you know, I, I think right, it's the jingle, right? Like, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. That's what I thought. Um, and, and I say that because it, it's funny that State Farm has like all these nice jingles. Um, like um, it's Jake from State Farm or whatever that was. I said that wrong, but um, yeah. So we have all these jingles, right? Um, and, and I think the concept of State Farm is pretty, pretty funny because um, it's like whatever happens... Like, I think one commercial was, like, a car crashed into their house, and then they just appeared, and it was like, Jake's there, you know? He's, he's just ready to assist, you know? And I love that, you know? And, and maybe I'm reading too much into a 30-second infomercial. Maybe I am. Um, but I think there is some sort of cool thing that we see with State Farm. State Farm knows how to be a, a good neighbor, <laughs> and, and that's just the reality of it. Um, they're there. When something um, goes bad, they're there. If, if there's a problem, Jake from State Farm is going to be present, man. That's, that's a cool thing. And I was thinking about this um, idea. And, and I think everybody here wants to be a good neighbor. Especially because Jesus calls us to be a good neighbor. No one wants to be that neighbor that gets put on World Star or TikTok because they're being toxic, right? Nobody wants to be that neighbor. We all have an idea of what a good neighbor should be, right? We all, we all have an idea of, of who we should be as a good neighbor. And I know it's a, a quirky <laughs> illustration. I know it's kind of funny. But I think, I think it's helpful as we walk through today's passage this afternoon. So I want you to open up to Matthew chapter 5, verse 14. Matthew chapter 5, verse 14. This is Jesus talking in the Sermon on the Mount. I think he can, he can give us a good, good insight on what we're talking about this afternoon. This is what Jesus says, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Amen. 
As I was reading that, the, like, the first thing that, that pops in my head is this question. How do you view yourself? How do you view yourself? And I think the, the next question that comes up after you ask that question is, how do others view you? So first, it's like, how do I view myself? And how do others view me? And if you're, if you're someone that struggles with your identity or, or struggles with answering this question, I think Jesus helps us out with some pretty life-giving information. He says, you're a light. Jesus tells his people, the ones that follow him, that you are a light. A light of the world. Frank, and I'm going to butcher his last name, Frank Laback, a missionary, said, the simple program of Christ for winning the whole is to make each person he touches magnetic enough with love to draw others. So when he says you are the light of the world, he calls us to be a friend. Jesus is calling you to be a servant. He's calling you to be a beacon of hope wherever you might go. And I believe this is one of the first steps of being Missional, being changed, of course, but then that change produces a hope inside of you, like a beacon of light wherever you might go. Maybe, maybe you think that you're in a place or you're in where you are because of mere chance, because of happenstance, randomness. Maybe you think that you're just where you are in the apartment or in the house or on a certain street or in a certain school or a certain workplace just by chance. And I want to remind you this afternoon that that would be incorrect of you to assume that because we as Christians have a different outlook, or at least we should, <laughs> We should have a different outlook on where we are right now. Us as Christians, Christ followers, can be assured, certain, you can be certain that you are where you are because God has sent you there on assignment as a participant in his mission to the world to restore all of creation. I think we miss this part, and, and this is why I love what we do in the beginning of service. We proclaim with our lips that we're broken and that we need healing. Because this world that we are in today, we're all broken. We're all in need of a savior. So if this is you today, know that you are in a safe spot. Know that you don't need to mask anything. Know that you could come before Jesus not knowing all the answers. Knowing that he is the one that restores. We are broken. And he is in the business of restoring. So you, wherever you might be, <laughs> where you are today, you can be assured, certain that you are where you are 
because God has sent you there on assignment as a participant in his mission to the world. This is another good piece of information for you, I think, again. As individuals and the collective body of Christ, we are called to seek the welfare of the very people we are living among, amongst. If we know this, what does this mean for you? What does it mean for you to be a light where you are? And this is where I want to invite you also to open up to Jeremiah 29. Jeremiah 29, verses 4 to 7. Let's see what God says about that. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to all those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and settle down. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number there. Do not decrease. Verse 7. Also, seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. Amen. What does it mean to be a light? What does this mean for you? I think it's no, it's no um, chance or it's, it's no surprise that we've been talking about this missional living for, for quite some time. But as we, uh, as we uh, approach, as we get closer to Advent or the coming of Christ, right, Christmas, and remembering the promise that is in Jesus, remembering that he came, you know, the Lord of our life came to us through uh, a child, remembering that, I think it's important to go back to how can we do this? And I think, I think what God calls us to hear is to know that you are where you are, not by chance, but on purpose. You are where you are in your school, with your friends, where you live. You might think, oh, man, like, well, God, like, why am I here? Like, what, what am I doing here? I should not be here. And I truly believe that God has sent you there on purpose, wherever you might be today. And I think what he's, he's calling all of us as a collective, as the body of Christ, is to seek the peace and prosperity of this city that he's called us all to. I think it's no surprise. I think for all of us, we all want what's best. I'm pretty sure that's all we want. For a safe, peaceful, crime-free community with good schools, parks, employment opportunities, and arts and entertainment values, maybe. Just throw that in there. Those are all good things, and I don't want to take away from that. But we as people of change, we as people on mission should seek the best for our neighborhoods and cities. Listen to this. Life flourishes not only for us, but also for those 
whose lives we touch. No matter how we reach out, even if it seems small to us, our togetherness, our action as a whole becomes proportionally significant. When we do things with others, when we, when we go out and we, and we, we seek the peace and when we, we, we seek this hope and when we go out with our friends and our families and we try to be the light that we see in Matthew 5, we can make a huge change in the life of this community. And that's what I've been stuck on for the last like couple years. <laughs> Just knowing for a fact that God is working here in this church is phenomenal to me. <laughs> it's amazing. And I want to let you know this afternoon that you are all participants of what God is doing here. A couple years ago, we, we didn't have a, a, a group of you know, kids that um, or a part of the neighborhood. Now we have a group, and it's going amazing, the collective. Even Daniel's here from it, which is amazing. And I do believe, I do believe that God is doing a great work in this church. But he's calling us to keep going forward. The church we are and assume the role of a servant for the kingdom of God. We are God's tangible expression of how he feels about the world. Most Christians are overwhelmed, and I believe all of us sometimes can get to that point of, of being overwhelmed by what we believe to be our own lack of talents, giftings, or expertise to help others. But the good news is for us this afternoon is that no one has all the answers, resources, or solutions. That's one of the things that makes a community so colorful, right, or creative. But we do have the responsibility, or I should say better yet, we, we have the opportunity to show others tangibly what it looks like when a group of people come together, call the church, and show what God believes or feels for the people around. And, I'm, and I'm, st I'm stuck on that because I think we can really do some good in the community around us if we really just come together and focus in on what God's heart is. In Jeremiah 29, four through seven, that's a beautiful verse and I bring that up because it has to do with with where we are, no matter where we are, going out to the people that we interact with on the day-to-day -day and show them that we are the light of Christ. That Christ, like Christ does something to us internally. He changes who we are. We are no longer who we were before. We are a new creation in Christ. And that's why we read last week, it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Because of that, we have that change. Because of that, now we can be the light to all those around us. And I think about that. I also think about Matthew chapter 5, going back, going back and forth. Sorry about that. I just get too excited, I guess. Going back and forth, 
He calls you that you are the light of the world. And he kind of gives this ridiculous um, image for us to kind of hold on to, saying that a town built on a hill cannot be hidden. He tells you, he's telling us that you are the light of the world. And if you're a light, don't hide that light. Go out and show this light to others. Be a beacon of hope. And this is where the really convicting stuff comes into play. A question that I have for myself and I have for you this afternoon is how are we doing that? And one of the questions that we can, or one of the, the ways we can really see that is, is by, by doing this. How many of our neighbors' names do we know down our street? Daniel's like, I know everybody because I live in the apartments. I love that. And Mike too, yeah. <laughs> well, this doesn't go with you guys, and you guys are perfect. How many neighbors on your street do you know? Think, <laughs> I wasn't expecting that. I was pausing for dramatic effect. Another question that, that I had here is, I think this church does a good job of speaking the good news here. Like we, we speak good news, we, we speak Christ. We're like, you know, Christ is, is, is crucified, uh, he died and was buried. We just read it in the creed, right? Like we, we say that. Um, but do you consider yourself, you, to not only be a speaker of the good news in your immediate neighborhood or surrounding city and actually being the good news to someone else I hope that makes sense not only like word of mouth but actually being that like showing it with our actions and that's for you to answer honestly speaking do you consider yourself that and it's okay if you don't but I want us to you know Bring that up to us because I think that's exactly what Christ is calling us to do, especially in this season. We've, we've been able to, in the past, rally up, get together, bring resources together, and we're doing it again. So if you want to participate in that way, great. But I also want to call, the call for you this afternoon is also to seek the welfare of your neighbors, those that you live among, and also your friends and your family, those that we interact with, maybe not on the day-to-day, -day, but regularly, to seek the welfare of those very people. Because if we're truly the light, if we truly believe that Jesus has come into our life and has changed us from within, then don't you think we should show that light and be that beacon of hope for all those around? I think the answer is yes. And if that's the case, we need to, to, to tell people and, and, and show that yes, we are all broken, but there's someone that is in the business of restoration, and that's Jesus. 
So for this season, the call for us this afternoon is to see that, to see that you are a light. You are a beacon of hope. And Christ is calling you this afternoon to share that hope with all those around, specifically your neighbors, specifically those that you interact with on the day to day. Don't be overwhelmed thinking that you don't have talents or giftings or expertise to help others. God still uses us. You do not need to be perfect in order to serve. You don't. That's the good news. One thing this week that I, I've been coming up with is to take some time, as we saw in Jeremiah, one thing that we can do is take some time and pray for the welfare of our city, wherever we might be, here in Sacramento, there in Tennessee. Pray for our cities, asking what we prayed moments ago to God, for God to bring his kingdom to bear upon those situations that you know and those that you don't know. Asking God that he might bring your friends and your family to come to the knowledge of Christ. But it starts with prayer. It starts with acknowledging that you are the light of this world. And you go out and show that you are the light. Second, what we were saying before, honestly speaking, asking yourselves, considering that are you not just a speaker of the good news, but actually a doer of the good news. Maybe a good, good way we can measure that is by praying that God gives us, number one, the boldness to actually know our neighbors by names. Asking, asking God, God, please introduce me to those around me. I feel like a hypocrite because this is something that I struggle with. I'm trying to go home and I'm trying to chill. I'm not trying to do nothing. Let's be honest, right? You're trying to go home and that's like your place of, of zen. You're not trying to do nothing, right? That made you laugh? That's good. I love you, Mike, so much. <laughs> I, I, um, I was reading this story. Um, uh, there's, there's two stories. Uh, one story, it was a, it's really good uh, talking about this one man on, a, on their street, uh, this couple, believers, pastors. And um, this man um, was known in the neighborhood as, like, let's just call him Crazy Willie, all right? And Crazy Willie was known to be crazy, right? And um, no one liked him in the neighborhood because he always put junk on his front yard and, you know, all of that. Um, but then he got that conviction one day. I was like, well, I don't really know him personally. I just know him because he's Crazy Willie. You know, that's, that's what we know him by. And one day he went up to his house and got to start, you know, interacting with him and actually found out that the man was pretty brilliant, and 
he was actually like an engineer, and he was just, you know, he was old. <laughs> That's all it was. And he had no one to spend the holidays with. So this family kind of adopted him into the family and was able to, you know, bring him over for like Thanksgiving and Christmas because he didn't have anybody. And his point with that story was, is that we won't know <laughs> what we know until we go out and actually interact with our community. And this, this second one is actually personal. Uh, my neighbors, um, if you know a little bit of my neighbor, uh, neighborhood, there's, you know, Derbyshire. And at first I was like, oh, that's Los's house. Now it's my neighbor's house because, you know, they're partying literally every single day. Crazy. And that's what Derbyshire is known for, you know. I didn't know it was kind of like a thing. And um, at first it looks like that house next to us is the life of the party. It's the best thing ever. And to be over there is like so fun. But Alyssa and I have been praying and asking God that he might open up doors so we can talk to them about, about Christ. And crazy things started happening. And one of the things that, that we've done was, at, you know, it's weird. We, like, pull up at the same time. And we're like, hey, vecino, hey, vecino. And we talk for hours. And this house that I first thought was, like, the life of the party and and it was amazing, and all these good things were happening in this house, I actually found out that it was quite the opposite. It was further than what I, I thought it was. It was actually broken. There was a lot of brokenness in, in that family. That's just one house. You know how many houses there are in your neighborhood? And I think that's where we should all be like, wow, there's some work to be done. And I think, you know, I'm not saying we should save the world. I'm not saying that. Don't, don't take that because then Pastor Tony's going to get me in trouble after this. I'm just kidding. But I think where it starts is with us praying. And us praying for the welfare of our cities and of our neighbors. And if we truly hold on to this, that you are the light of the world, we can, main, we, could, we can make the change, we can participate in the mission that God has presented. The mission that Christ has done since the beginning. To be the light and to, to, to restore all of creation. Why don't you stand up and why don't you pray with me as we are dismissed. We will be dismissed after this. Let's pray. Let's ask God to, to open up those conversations and to open us up to the idea that we can be the light of this world. Don't forget that. Father God, I want to pray for all of those here that struggle with their identity. I want to pray for, for all my brothers and sisters that struggle with not knowing who they are. God, you call us to be a light in our communities, a beacon of hope. So God, this afternoon, we want to pray with boldness that you might enable us to go out into our neighborhoods to meet one neighbor, God, and to just listen to their story. 
Allow us, God, to be the light that you have called us to be. To be a beacon of hope, to point people to the beacon of hope that we rest on, which is Christ. Lord, I pray for all my brothers and sisters that we really intentionally start with this. That we are people of change. We have been changed from the inside. Now we want to go out and participate in this mission that you have before us. Let us be bold. Let us have faith in you, Christ. And let us know that we are where we are, not by accident, but on purpose. And we are sent on assignment to those around us to be a light to those that you have sent us to. Oh God, our King, <clears throat> by the resurrection of your Son, Jesus Christ, on the first day of the week, you conquered sin, put death to flight, and gave us the hope of everlasting life. Redeem all our days by this victory. Forgive our sins, banish our fears, make us bold to praise you and to do your will, and steal us to wait for the consummation of your kingdom on the last great day, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. By the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, be with us evermore. We are dismissed. Be the light. Yeah? Remember we used to call ourselves Lighthouse? <laughs>